If you if you have any trouble, just get Tim Gunn on the phone. <laughs> Designers, I love Tim Gunn. I love him like crazy. My name is Nathan Pletta. I'm a game designer, self-publisher, and graphic artist. My name is Will Hindmarch. I'm a writer, narrative designer, graphic designer, and game designer. What are we talking about on the Design Games Podcast this week, Will? Nathan, this time we're talking about the annual game design competition called Game Chef. We wanted to take an episode to talk about Game Chef because it's an annual game design competition that really encapsulates, to me, the entire design process in a way. We've both participated in some way over the years, and this year's competition, Game Chef 2016, has recently wrapped up. So we just want to take the opportunity to reflect on it and kind of explore all the benefits of doing it. You will find some links about this on our website, but if you want, if you just can't wait, uh, the website you want to look for is, of course, game-chef.com. Have you ever done Game Chef? Strictly speaking, no. How do you define strictly speaking? I have never submitted anything at the end. I've used it many years mm. to start designs. And I think that's a big part of it, actually. So Game Chef, for those who are listening who may not know about it, uh, which I'd find a little difficult to, to imagine a Venn diagram of people who listen to us who don't know about Game Chef in some way. <laughs> but for those who don't, it is a annual game design competition that has existed since the early 2000s because it has migrated through many forums and the very, very first one is, is kind of a, a question mark. It emerges from the mists of time. Yes, it emerges from the Gaming Outpost website and forum, which I believe has not existed for, for many years at this point. Anyway, it is an annual game design competition that has changed a lot over time, but the basics of it are that there is some kind of theme and or ingredients and or other structure. There's a compressed length of time, usually about a week, and some kind of review at the end. The uh, ingredients, theme, and any other structure is revealed at the beginning of it. Uh, with a couple couple days advance notice before the official start date or on the official start date, depending on the year. Then there's about a week of go design a game and then there's a due date and then whatever has been submitted by the due date goes into some kind of review process, which over time has been anything from Mike Holmes reading every, every entry and telling you what he thinks about it to the current version, which uh, is where there's like randomized peer review where you get, I believe it's four games to look at. You You can submit feedback if you want, and you're encouraged to do so, but your job as a reviewer is to say, like, this is the one that I think has the most whatever. Is the thing that I, the one I like the most, or I think has the most potential, is the most interesting. And then there's a some kind of committee that takes all the ones that have the most recommendations, essentially, mm -hmm. and then oh, crowns a winner. Um, in recent years, there's been multiple languages present, so that there's, like, Game Chef Italian, Game Chef English. I don't know all of them. I'm sorry. The list, as I recall, in 2013 forward... Um, there's an English language winner and a world champion. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I just don't know how many other languages there are currently. Right, right. But those are the kind of the formal structure of the Game Chef. And over time, it's really launched a lot of games, both, as you say, just to get things started. There's a lot of people that write games for Game Chef, inspired by the ingredients or whatever, and either don't submit them because of... All kinds of reasons. One could be that it's not finishing time. It could be because they're inspired by the ingredients, but then the game doesn't fit into the theme. This isn't really for the competition anymore. It's just for me. Very often in my experience, I hear from folks, and this is true for me, where the, the, the seven to nine days or seven to 10 days, whatever it is that you actually have to make it mm. 
are just not days when you can actually participate. Yeah, it's it's like anything where you schedule a time. Like, yeah. it's a kind of a pot shot of who can actually participate because everyone has a different schedule. But just just knowing that you've built something from the same inspiration center as Game Chef means that after the review period is over, there are still a lot more people who find it easier to engage with the idea where you can say, well, I started this as a Game Chef thing. I didn't submit mm-hmm. it. Do you want to look at it? This is an understanding that, well, I, I'm already better equipped to look at it because I have I knew what the ingredients were or whatever yeah. it is. So it creates a great conversation center. It creates a kind of center point of design in a lot of ways. And that's not to say that everything that's submitted for Game Chef is necessarily a great game because it's usually a first pass thing, yeah. um, right? Like no game submitted for Game Chef is a final, finished, wonderful game. There's always um, a development process that needs to happen after Game Chef, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of being a locus for what's going on in independent game design. Like mm-hmm. Game Chef is not a bad place to look because not only do you see a lot of cool games, whether that's the entire game is cool, there's a cool mechanic, there's a cool idea. You also see a lot of people participating in it that are also doing non-Game Chef game design. Right. And you can kind of find like-minded people based on the material that they've submitted. You can be like, oh, I really like what this person is doing. They've done two or three Game Chefs along this theme and yeah they're in conversation with what I'm doing. Maybe I should reach out or that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because what we're looking some years, I mean, we're looking at like 80 into the hundreds of games that sometimes get submitted at Game Chef, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it was a couple of years ago, and it was we, there was a hundred, yeah, or the three-digit mark was broken. And it was it was a wonderful deal. But that means that trends can emerge in Game Chef that, on the one hand, are not necessarily rep- I mean, they may be, but they're not necessarily representative of trends outside of Game Chef because the ingredients, obviously, and the theme have their influence. Mm-hmm. But often they are because anytime you can get a hundred games at once, if there's a trend in there of, of let's say forty four games. That's a lot of games. <laughs> that is now mm-hmm. a trend in terms of whether or not it's that we find out that people are, oh, there's, a, there's an interesting migration towards the D12, or there's interesting, people are, are tinkering with the integration of Twitter into their social games, or these mm-hmm. kind of things. Some of them are fads, and that's great, that's fine, that's a perfectly fair thing, right? Some of them are only last three months on either side of Game Chef or something, but it's a really interesting window into kind of what ingredients outside of the thematic ingredients people are sometimes incorporating or, or moving towards or experimenting with, and how it is that the game scene influences itself knowingly and unknowingly. When you've written stuff for Game Chef, what has kept you from submitting it? What is it? Just Apprehensions of quality. It's just the the, the feeling that it's not done, or yeah. is it more about the judgment part? Because that's a thing that I think does create a barrier for people, where there's the review side of it as well. Right. Right. For me, it's it's it's, it's exactly the opposite. The the review side is the reason why I want to do it. I love the ingredients and the and the theme and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I always look forward to seeing what the theme and ingredients are because there's yeah. always the 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 creative constraint of having these things hang a game on them is super super valuable yeah and is a lesson i think you can take into your own process without having to have it be a competition thing where you can and that's what i've always done is i and, and in the last four or five years is every time game chef comes up and this most recent the 2016 theme was technology mm-hmm. and i can't remember now what the ingredients were i have them right here alarm dance sketch and sunlight so right. for example i i absolutely did a page in my notebook on what would i do if i had time for game chef this mm-hmm. year right and it's a super viable exercise and so that's the barest level of of engagement with the material is what i did this year and it was still super valuable so if you take it all the way even through to review even if the review is eh or not what you wanted to hear mm-hmm. it's super valuable and for me that's that's why it's the opposite is why i don't why i haven't been doing it is that I want to get it to a point where I can get a good critique. Oh, I mean, sure. Not not a good critique in the sense of like, this is great, mm. but I want 
it's so valuable to me to have a handful of people say, here's what I did and didn't like about it. Mm. But I haven't gotten the games in nine days or 10 days in the last few years to a point where I'm like, that would be giving out something that wouldn't, that would be worth their time. That would be mm -hmm. respectful of the kind of critique I wanted to get. Because it's all valuable and I think it's right. important to state how valuable it is to get that review, even though it can be scary as hell. I think that when you're earlier on in your development as a designer, I think getting the feedback even on your not fully together thing that you managed to get together in seven days mm -hmm. is more valuable yeah. than when you get to a certain point where you can kind of, where you have enough insight into your own work that, yeah, you're not going to learn anything new from these four random people telling you what they think about your game that you already know isn't really finished and isn't right isn't even in a first not even really finished yet. but yeah isn't, isn't developed enough to really talk about yeah and i think that that's happened for me as well where i participated in game chef a lot in in the early days my game carry a game about war came out of game chef 2005 in a large part because i got such good feedback on it and and positive both in the sense of like here are some cool things that your game is doing, but also positive in the sense of like, this game should exist. Please keep working on it. That kind of thing. Yeah. And that was a big boost to actually getting me to finish that game and develop it and make it a thing. But as time has gone on, working on a game and then being like, yeah, I'm not sure how much I'm going to get out of hearing what other people have to say about this. That threshold has moved for me also where, right. you know, the starting point is still gold. Like the starting point is still always really, really interesting. But then, yeah, do I have the time to sit down and work on a completely new thing mm -hmm. for a week, even around the corners of whatever else I'm doing on, and then get that finished enough to submit. The get it finished enough to submit part is is the easiest part to let fall away. Yeah. Um, yeah. But all that stuff that you did in the first place, like all the, the development stuff or the from the initial idea, that all just goes in your toolbox, right? Like, exactly. To take out again later. You just really, I think, put that really well because what it makes me realize is that on the one hand, the fact that the review process is intimidating or scary is a good reason to do it. When it stops being intimidating and scary is when I feel like there's a valid reason to let it fall away is because, and I say not that the other reason is invalid, but I'm like, because it's scary, you should go ahead and try to take advantage of the moment mm -hmm. to do it anyway. But for me, it was when it stopped being scary and became a matter of that I know how many games the people have to look at. I'm like, you know what? They should spend time on the people who did manage to do a first yeah. draft in nine days. There's a valid critique also that, especially with the kind of random peer review process yeah. that it is random yeah. and sometimes people like i see this happen every year where people are like yeah none of the people who got my game really gave Connected. me anything helpful or even actually gave me any feedback mm. or any of that stuff and that's just once you get to the scale that it's at right it's it's like yeah. any design project like game chef itself has these uh priorities that it's balancing and the priorities over time viewing it from the outside because i've never been involved with running it or administering it but right, yeah, i know people either. who yeah. have and you know i try to keep track but uh, from the outside, the priority over time has shifted more towards diversity of voices, uh, inclusion of people who don't have a whole lot of outreach to them for right. doing game design, transparency in the process and all of these things, which are great. Yeah. Expanding the number of people who are involved. Great priorities. And they've done great things with them. What that does sacrifice, though, is this idea of uh, focused review from experts. Yeah. Like for a while, there's like a small panel of people or a single judge. One of the really valuable things about it at The Forge was that it was just being run by Mike Holmes, who is a super, super smart guy, knows a whole ton about gaming and game design. 
and he would individually critique every entry. And that was easy for him to do when there were nine entries, I was gonna say. right? Or 12 entries. Right. But a lot of the games from those early years, like I think 2004 is still the high watermark of Game Chef games that turned into games that were kind of developed, finished, and entered uh, the world. Because that was the Mountain Witch, Polaris, the Dance mm-hmm. in the Dawn. Oh, Dance in the Dawn is the same year. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I feel like there's one more that I'm forgetting. The point is, uh, it was a small, great ingredients, small group of people, a lot of smart designers participating, and we all had the benefit of not only seeing Mike critique all the games that year, but having seen him do it the year before and right. seeing him do it the year after, essentially. It's like any review thing where like, once you know the reviewer, you can measure the feedback against... You can better interpret. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's all just to say that the the balance of the competition in any given year, I think they do a good job about being very upfront about like, here's how it's going to work this year. Right. And, and you, not being beholden necessarily to the previous year. Right. Which is great. And it means as a participant, you just need to measure the amount of work and effort you put into it with what you expect at, to get out of it. It's going to be a little different every year. Nathan, do you remember what the ingredients were the year that you did carry? Or, or at least the ingredients that you that you yeah. used? It was uh, Iron Game Chef Historical, because at the time they were titled with kind of the theme. Right, I forgot about that. So like 2004 was Iron Game Chef Fantasy, I think. And that was the Ice Assault uh, Mountain, yeah. something else. But yeah, 2005 was Iron Game Chef Historical. And the ingredients that I used were Accuser, Companion, oh. So Carrie has six like roles that your your character is one of these six things, and I accuser and companion were two of the roles, and also were and were taken directly from the ingredients. I'm right. trying to remember if one of the other roles was also. Uh, I can't remember now. I happen to have the five ingredients right in front of okay. me. Okay, hit me. Accuser. Yes. Companion. Yes. Entomology. That's the one I did not use. Invincible. Yes, that's one of the roles as well. Wine. I did not use wine. Right. Yeah. So yeah, those three. Yeah, Invincible was one of the roles. I wanted to bring this up because I think it's how interesting it is that Carrie is very clearly self-identifiable. Like it's 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 a strong. It is its own theme. Its theme isn't just historical, and it's right. And its theme isn't just just these ingredients, mm-hmm. but it absolutely essentially contains them. Right. It's absolutely on theme. Accuser, companion, Invincible are super important parts of the game. Mm-hmm. But there's a point at which after time, you knew that Invincible was one of the roles. You knew that. Yeah. But it I becomes, remember which one it was. Yeah, right, but which, it becomes so much yeah. of itself mm-hmm. that it's not like your game is forever, uh, not in a good or, good or bad way. It's not it's forever a Game Chef game. I'm doing air quotes here in the sense that it is like a Game Chef brand game. Mm-hmm. A lot of the great Game Chef icons over the years are both Game Chef games and also through continued development, take on such their own still identity that it's not like nobody, I've never heard anybody say, yeah, but it was a Game Chef game. He never would have thought of Accuser on his own. Nobody cares. Right, yeah, once you... Right, you don't, yeah. you don't become beholden to it. Yeah, it is it is that starting point and once you uh, get past the Game Chef submission threshold, right, yeah. then you usually end up shedding, shedding stuff. I actually, because yeah. it was a big priority to me to like embed the ingredients deeply into the fabric of the game, right. I didn't end up shedding any of them, but like other games that, that came out of that particular contest were Jason Morningstar as the Chappelle Heary Roach, mm-hmm. Clinton Nixon's City of Brass. People may not know, but it was... It was but, uh, but, but it's definitely worth knowing. Yes. There's a lot of... Tra- I mean, you can go back. There's links on the Game Chef site to go back and, and check the, the forums and see what came out of it. Paul Sega's um, Bacchanal. Oh, uh, which subsequently yeah. got re-released as a, it was originally a dice-based thing and got re-released by an Italian publishing house. It was this card case, 
based thing, which is really beautiful. I believe that came out of 2005. And that, you know, he kind of sat on for years and then kind of revised it into a thing. And then it kind of sat around for years and then got republished. Right. And just a couple years ago, 2014, maybe the, the newest kind of the Italian produced version came out. So all of that is just to say that in any given year, if you go back and look through stuff, you will probably be like, oh, that game, because a lot of the titles stay the same. Yeah. Or a lot of the people, you know, or if you know the people, you can be like, oh, that's what Jason Morningstar submitted in this year that subsequently turned into whatever. It's a competition, but it's not exactly a contest in that mm-hmm. in the way that we might think of, because there isn't a prize, really. The, the reward is eyeballs in a big way. There's a joke of the Game Chef curse, which is that the, <laughs> right. the, the winner of Game Chef, I think none or almost none of, of the entries that have won an individual Game Chef have gone on to a standalone, redeveloped, redesigned publication, I think. I'd have to look through every single one to, to make sure. But but that was the, the idea for a while. Was yeah. That, that was what was, yeah, that was the curse. But in a design perspective, as you talk about balancing the priorities of Game Chef and doing it visibly, it's clear to see how Game Chef's priorities have shifted, in part because it's accomplished some of them before, and it's like, well, do we want to accomplish them nine times, or do we want to mm-hmm. see what else we can accomplish? I think it's a really great design example of something that is still identifiably Game Chef every year. It has certain tenets, it has certain things that it does honor and adhere to, and what it can remix as it discovers that its priorities are shifting a little bit from, like you say, the critique of a single judge to what what I think now one of the big benefits of Game Chef is not just visibility and accessibility, but the way that they are balanced, the way that they are interacted with. So that on the one hand, it's not like somebody's going to get a better review or more reviewers more accurately. It's not somebody's going to get more critiques based on their name. Everybody's equal in the terms of the random draw of the critiques of what they're going to get. You get a chance at getting, you know, three or four, however many it is, really good sets of eyeballs on it. Um, and that's great. And it's accessible in the sense that it's literally it was essentially send it to this email address. Mm-hmm. But it's that it's that easy to no, it's just all it is is it's analog. If you can type it up, send us a Google mm-hmm. Doc, whatever it is, right? Yeah. I Those mean, the balances are really powerful. Yeah. And the guidelines for submission are also oriented towards accessibility. Yeah. Like, Make it a non-proprietary format. If there's an audio or visual component, you need to include a transcript. Right. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Lowering the the, the barrier to entry. Yeah. Right. Is a priority, which is great. If I were to just describe Game Chef to somebody who's never participated, it can sound like a contest style competition Mm -hmm. in a way that would be like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. No, you are. Yeah, you are. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much uh, the process. Yeah, it's very much participate because you want to participate in the process. Yeah, and the goal is well, what are you going to get out of designing a game? I think there's two main kind of launching pads for participation. One is I want to design a game, but I haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. And another is I saw the ingredients and I got an idea. Right, and those can be the same inspiration for a single person. Yeah, you know, in any given instance. Or it can be someone like like me where the chances of me writing a Game Chef game in any given year are directly proportional to my response to the ingredients. Right. Right. It's great that those two things, uh, those two launching pads mean that literally anyone can do it. And it's really about do you want to take these creative constraints, give yourself a time limit and have the uh, have this structure drive you to complete a thing. Right. And if you do, then you should you should give it a shot. Yeah. I love the ingredient setup in part because 
it doesn't prohibit the ability to bring a previous inspiration. You can't use only the ingredients. It's mm-hmm. not like the manuscript can only be four words. Right. It doesn't prohibit you from bringing other ideas to it, but it always means that because the ingredients are present, and if you if you do the only the only kind of skill test that's measurable outside of appreciation, outside of interpretation of a particular work, is did you actually incorporate two to three of the ingredients on the theme, right? Yeah. Which is great because it's still part of the, the design goal. Mm-hmm. It's essential to the design goal of this thing. But it means that, for example, it might activate you to say, oh, you know, I, I had this vague idea for a dice mechanic. It didn't do anything for me. I didn't know what to do with it. And then you go, oh, the theme is technology and there's mm-hmm. sand in my game. Oh, this is great. And mm-hmm. then now, you, now you've got a thing. And that puts you on a, even though you came with this dice mechanic already, it puts you on a kind of equal footing with the person who gets a dice mechanic idea in response to the ingredients, right? Like mm-hmm. you're both activated by it when the ingredients really speak to somebody. And I think the fact that the way we respond to the way the ingredients change means that each year has a nice fresh start ability that you can't really predict if you're going to do Game Chef next year. Mm-hmm. It has to speak to you to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And I love that surprise. For me, I've been, I've been motivated by Game Chef, I think, at least for the last five, six years. Like it's been a while since they had an ingredient mix that, that missed me. But at the same time, it hasn't activated me to the point that I've, well, I'm going to take, take these next seven days. I'm going to do a thing. But, they, but everyone has been beneficial to me anyway mm. because it's, I've, it's just made me think, how can I take this creative constraint? It's a good design exercise. Yeah. But I, w- I absolutely encourage people, to, the earlier you are in your design career, I think the more you get out of actually going through the whole thing. And I think a lot of that is because it's kind of the entire design process in microcosm. It, it props you up in some areas like what's the inspiration for the game? It kind <laughs> of gives you some things that you will combine with your own you know, internal priorities and what you want out of a game. It has that that short time horizon to to get you to get to a point where you can call it done. Right. But you know it's not done done. Right. Right. So essentially it's kind of like a big if we go back to our design process diagram with the diamonds, it's kind of like that big first diamond where it it already puts the ingredients in the first half for you. And then it's like, all right, your first checkpoint, your first validation point is submitting it at the end of Game Chef. And it's going to take a week. And then after that, the next diamond is up to you, right? Mm -hmm. You take the feedback, you get re-inspired by what someone said, or you say, you know, I I wrote up this really cool world to set this game in, and it's only a couple sentences, but it's really evocative. The world is great. And then you develop that for a while, and then you find a way to bring that back into the game or or bring a, a, a new set of mechanics or, or structures to support what your world is saying. Right. Any of these things are possible, but the value of going through that entire first diamond, mm-hmm. getting to the validation point, which is key, and having the, the ability to have some external pushback against you, because a lot of the time in our internal processes, that first validation point is like sitting down and going like, can I pull this into one document? <laughs> right. Or can I tell my friend about this and have it make any sense at all? But in Game Chef, that validation point is, what are these strangers going to tell me about this thing that I've already wrapped up and pulled into some kind of package, shown them, see what they say, and then I'm ready to go off into the next diamond. Thank you for listening to the Design Games Podcast. Sometimes our conversations wander a bit afield, and so we package them as backer-only special episodes for our Patreon backers and supporters. To hear these episodes for yourself, visit patreon.com slash ndpauletta or patreon.com slash wordwill. You can find all of our older episodes, as well as everything else Design Games Podcast related, at designgamespodcast.com. What do people even say at the end of a podcast? What happens if it just...